So as a Christ follower, when we become part of the kingdom of God, when we're born into his family, we actually become part of his body. He has great, great things that he wants to do on this earth through his body. Amen? He wants to take care of children that are orphans in Honduras. Amen? He wants to raise up pastors to pastor local churches and believers and send out missionaries and send out evangelists and win souls. Amen? He wants to feed hungry people. He wants to clothe people that don't have anything. He wants to give homes to homeless people. He wants to do incredible things. He wants to heal sick people. That's all the things he, he would be doing right now if he was in the flesh right now here with us. He'd be doing all those things. And he wants to do, the, and he wants to do these things through his body, which is us. And there are always greater things than what, than what you and I can do on our own. But he still wants to do it through you. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, All of you together are Christ's body. That's a key word there, together. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You know, when Jesus came into the earth, we, we don't think about, we don't think through things like this very often, but if you think about it, Jesus came to the earth. The Bible says that he was given a body to live in on this earth. One human body. He didn't get a bunch of human bodies. He could have probably got a lot more done if he was given like a hundred bodies and go do this a hundred different places in the earth. But he was given one body. And in that one body was 100% God. There were, he was not devalued whatsoever because of that physical form that he had taken. In that body, he carried all of the grace, the ability, and the power of God to do the Father's work in the earth. But Jesus was unique. We know his body was miraculously conceived in the womb with Mary, and that body had no sin because he had never sinned. He was the only perfect human, and therefore he could house the glory of God in its perfection unlimited. And then after Jesus' sacrifice, when he laid that body down as a seed, we who believe in the name of Jesus for salvation, get to become holy like he was holy. We then, we never started holy. We never started with that, clean, that cleanliness like he had, but we still get to have it because of him. He started with it, and then he gave it to us. Now, in the body of Christ, all of us together, we get to inhabit, God gets to inhabit us. So, and in that body, in the earth, God can put all of his fullness, all of his grace into his body, in the earth, all of us together, because we're holy. Not because we have perfect behavior, because we don't. Even as believers, we have no perfect behavior. But we're still called to be holy as he is holy. And that holiness isn't because of our good behavior. Our holiness is because of the cross. Our holiness is because of his blood that cleansed us from all of our sin. And then God does something incredible. And I don't think anybody in their wildest imaginations could have ever dreamed this up. He inhabited one body. He planted it as a seed. 
He makes holy an entire race of people, and then he puts himself in all of those people. He didn't make a hundred Jesuses to run around. He made a hundred thousand millions of us, and he put up, he put himself in all of us. You got to think about how this is like would blow any Hollywood movie plot completely off the planet. This is the greatest plot, greatest story that you could ever conjure up. So now what we have to be able to see is that the same fullness of God that was in Christ is in the body of Christ that looks different, but it's still his body. He's still the head of that body. Just like he was the head of two hands and two feet, now he's the head of a billion hands and a billion feet. But it's us now, which is extremely humbling. John 14, 12 through 14 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So what's interesting is that the only difference between the body of Jesus and the body of Jesus worldwide is that in that one body Jesus had, he had it all. He could do it all. But in this multifaceted, very diverse, different languages, cultures all over the planet, different time zones, different time periods, all over the earth for 2,000 years, the difference is, is that not one of us carries everything that Jesus had. Instead, he divvies up himself amongst us all. You might not have all the gifts, but you got one of the gifts, and that one gift Jesus had. But he gave you a piece of what he had. He gave you a piece of what he had. And it's not incomplete. It's still in that full grace. And when we went to Pittsburgh recently, Rachel and I, and Pastor John Nuzo was a guest speaker there, and he shared on this, and it was really eye-opening to me, is that the grace that God gives you to walk in to do what he's called you to do is the same grace that Jesus had when he was on this earth doing what he was going to do. You're not, you're not limited in that grace that God puts on your life to do what he's called you to do. So another difference is Jesus was God. Now, we're the body of Christ, but we're not God. But God is in us. And he works with us. He works through us. He doesn't kick you out and take over your body and then do all the work by himself. That's what my point about he didn't make 100 Jesus bodies to run around where it was just God running around on the earth doing everything. He didn't want to do it like that. I'm sure he could have done it like that. But instead, what he wanted, he wanted Linda to come join him. In fact, Linda, actually, I'm going to come join you. I'm going to come live in your life. I'm going to come take your body. I'm going to come be in your body, but you're still going to be there. I'm not kicking you out. We're going to do this together. And guess what? Everything that you need, that Jesus did, that I want you to do, and you don't have to do it all, but there's some things I want you to do. I'm going to give you everything you need to do it. The same way Jesus had it all to do it. Amen? Come on. Romans chapter 12, 4 through 6. 
Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. That together thing is very important. Together. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. There is no uh, lone ranger in Christianity. There's no solo church at home with your computer. It doesn't work like that. Together. And believe it or not, I belong to you. And you belong to me in the body of Christ. I'm, I'm the ring finger, and you're the pinky finger. And I need you by my side. We, you know, wait, the ring and the pinky, they're not even next to each other. You, you know what I mean. I might be the, the, the ring finger, you might be the pinky, and I need you next to me. I need you next to me. Otherwise, I can't do what I do as well, because maybe I have too much weight on me that I'm not supposed to have, because the pinky's supposed to have some of it. So where's my pinky at? We need each other. We belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. There's things that God has gifted you to do well. well, Better than the person next to you. Because they're not graced to do what you're graced to do. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. That was one of the examples of the many gifts that God gives out. So we get to co-labor with God, God in us, and we get to do God's work, just like Jesus was God doing his work in the earth. Now we get to do God's work in the earth, but he's still the head of it. You got to think, you got to see this, okay? If you can pretend that Jesus' body was like its own entity, and then Jesus, the Lamb of God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, comes and puts that thing on. And he's got ten fingers and ten toes. And if, and if those body parts could have thoughts and communicate, it's like, you, you uh, index finger, you have no idea who's controlling you. You have no idea who's making you do this. You have no idea, as a member of the body of Christ, who lives on the inside of you, who's making you do this, if you'll let him. You have no idea what he's capable of with that one finger. You think, I'm an index finger. All the best I can do is give a good scratch. I can do that real good, but heal a blind person? I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Watch this. Bloop. The fingers freaking out. Had no idea that they could heal blind people. It's not the finger, right? The finger can't do anything. The finger can give a good scratch. That's about it. Hopefully it doesn't break a nail. But the king on the inside of you can make that finger do things it couldn't even dream of. It doesn't have a brain to think of it. It doesn't know it exists. God can do things through your life that you didn't even know existed. But this is the thing. In order for that finger to be able to do anything that God wants it to do, it's got to be broken. It's got to be pliable. It's got to be useful. And the only thing that finger really has to do is give way 
to his strength. Is be a little weak. Don't resist. Just flex with me. Let me tell you what to do. Don't just stay straight and say, I can't do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not. But that's not fun. Being weak is not fun. Does anybody in here like it? You can raise your hand if you like. You like being weak? Does anybody like being weak? Is that something? I don't think anybody likes that. I just want to double check. I hate being weak. I hate it. You know, and it's probably our pride and our desire for comfort and convenience and so many other things that we just despise weakness. We don't want to be weak. We hate being weak. But this is exactly the place that we need to be. You know, in a lot of ways, we're like water. We want to follow the path of least resistance. The second we run into any uh, trouble or difficulties or roadblocks or something, we just go around it real quick. We'll, We'll grab the closest thing that we can, and we'll try to make it go away as soon as we can. And, you know, the Apostle Paul wasn't much different than we are in that. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, talking about the thorn in his side. Each time he, the Lord, said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's the title of what I'm sharing this morning with you guys is, when I am weak, then I am strong. You're not strong by yourself. You're just not. And that's okay. We just need to accept that. All right? But trusting God can be hard. You know, when somehow we're not allowed to rely on our own strength, and then we have to trust in God. That's hard. That's very difficult. And you know what? If we don't have to use faith, we would rather not because it's too hard. If I can take the easy way out and avoid a situation or take a right instead of taking a left or whatever shortcut that I can do or manipulate or try this, try that, call this, call it, you know, whatever I can do, besides trusting in God, you're probably going to exhaust all your avenues to get out of that painful situation, to cover up your weakness. And you know, the weaker we are spiritually in our faith, the more we are like that. The less inclined we'll be to go to God, to trust in God, to believe God, Because it's hard. And if we're weak spiritually, we're weak. Think about that word spiritual. You know, that word gets thrown around a lot. But it's as simple as something that exists in the unseen world. You know, when you're a spiritual person, you exist because you're born again, and you operate in the unseen world. And then it manifests in the seen world. Because God's power comes in. You connect to that power that God has in the unseen by faith. And then you bring it into the seen world. And that helps people to say, hey, there's more. There's more outside of this bubble of a physical realm that we live in that 
I need to go get. I need to go be a part of. I need eternal life. This body and this life is going to die. I need to go get that sacrifice so I can be born again and start living a life that's spiritual and not just physical. You know, but it's not, oftentimes it's not until we've exhausted all of our avenues in the physical realm where we're comfortable. It's not until we run into our weakness face to face and we can't escape it. You know, we try, but then we're face to face with our weakness and there's no way around it. And what that does is it causes us to sort of break out of that natural realm. It causes us to look up. It causes us to cry out to God, help, help me. I need your help. And that's why Paul boasted about his weaknesses. Man, this, these weaknesses that I have, thank God for them because it keeps me spiritual. Thank God for these physical weaknesses that I have because it keeps me operating by faith in the supernatural realm. Thank God for these physical weaknesses that I have because I'm closer to God. I connect to him more. His power moves through my life more because I'm connected to him by faith. One of the worst things for a Christian is comfort and convenience. And that's what we all want. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's terrible. But it's one of the worst things for you. We all love ice cream. But if you eat too much ice, you know, it's, it's not good for you. Comfort and convenience, too, you know. Sometimes those blessings are good, but God knows not to bless us too much because then he'll never see us again. Because <laughs> we'll never come into the supernatural realm with him anymore. We don't need to because that's hard. What's easy is just everything I can touch and feel and taste, and that's easy. Let me do that. I don't want to have to try to escape out of this, go against what I see, and see something that I can't see. That's hard. But thank God that he allows us to experience weakness, physical weakness, human weakness, so that it, it allows us to escape from this earthly realm, this natural realm, to go be with him in the supernatural realm, in the eternal realm, the unseen realm. And then when the scripture says works best, Paul said that the Lord said, my power works best in weakness. That word that the translator uses, works best, in the, in the original is teleo. And it means to bring to an end, complete, fulfill. And ironically, this word was also used by Jesus when he was on the cross, when he said, it is finished. It's complete. When, when, Paul, when God said, my power works best in weakness, he's also saying, my power is made complete. It's fulfilled. It's finished. There's nothing left. There's no undone work. There's no power of his that's left on the table because he couldn't use it. His, our weakness and the weaker we are allows the fullness right. of his power to come through. Yeah, right. And what did Jesus do? He set the bar. He made the example. He experienced the ultimate human weakness to death. There's nothing left. When he said, it is finished, there was no more strength in that human body. And what happened? 
God's power was made complete, worked best in that broken body. But we don't want to be broken. We don't want to be weak. We want to be powerful. We want to have all the right words. We want to have all the right habits, all the best behavior, all the knowledge, all the skills. Never a dull moment, never bored, never uncool. Right? We don't, we don't want any, any weakness, nothing. And as soon as we see a weakness, we're hurrying up and grabbing a makeup brush and trying to cover that thing up. Okay, it's not so bad now. I can manage. But God's saying, let me use that weakness. That's an open door to the fullness, the completeness of me in the earth. Through you, my body. So why don't you give away? Give away, little finger. Give away. Now I want to read that same passage in the Amplified Version. 2 Corinthians, again, 12, 9 through 10. But he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation, for my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me. How awesome is that? And may dwell in me. So you're not only being a conduit for God's power to come through, but then you get to be enveloped in the Lord himself. You get to be hidden, be found hidden in Christ. So I am well pleased with weakness, with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. How awesome is that? So where are you weak, I want to ask? You know, you know yourself probably better than anybody, although some other people know you very well. But where are you weak? When you look around, what situations do you avoid? Because your weakness will be exposed. What people do you avoid? Because you, your weakness may be exposed. What places do you not go? Because your weakness might be exposed. What are those things that we try to cover up, that we try to make excuses for, that we try to justify? Or And, and I don't want to be so general and so vague, because that, that's difficult for me. When, when I hear that, i got to know, like, give me an example, you know. For example, you know, do you get real anxious maybe when you go into a hospital or when you need to pray for somebody? Is that like, oh my gosh, you want me to pray for this sick person? That's terrifying to some people. An example for me was public speaking. I was terrified. Is Miss Beryl is in here? 
Oh, she's a nurse. I was so sad. I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean, thank you, Jesus, that she's serving, but it's okay. Rachel, Rachel runs the nurse. It's okay. But Miss Beryl, who was my eighth grade teacher, for those of you who don't know, and I can specifically remember in a class of 12 kids, 12, being petrified to have to stand up in front of them. Absolutely petrified. Um, let, me, let me share this with you, and then I'll, I'll go into what I'm trying to say there. Hebrews 11, 33 through 34. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. And a little further, it talks about some of the great persecutions that other believers went through. Tremendous suffering, like being sawed in half, for example, that they would have normally been petrified of, too weak to stand up against. You know, they would have renounced Christ. You know, someone who, who was not relying on the power of God would have renounced Christ. But because they wouldn't renounce Christ, because they were so strong, because their weakness turned into strength, they were actually able to endure incredible, incredible suffering. So we got examples of people who had incredible victories, and we have examples of people who went through incredible suffering. But they were able to. They were able to stand, which shows a tremendous amount of strength. So when you look at that weakness that you have, and, and I hope you can understand when I say that, I'm talking about what is something good. It's a good thing if you could do it. It would be a great thing. I'm not talking about I have a weakness with alcohol, so I binge drink every time I get around a bottle. I'm not talking about that kind of weakness. I'm talking about a weakness where, you know, just being in a crowd of people. That can be a weakness for some people. I dealt with that. I dealt with a lot of social anxiety. And my mom can attest to this. You know, there would be, you're having all these anxious thoughts. You know, what do I look like from the side? Am I saying right? You don't know what to, what am I doing with my hands? You know, you know, you're just trapped. You're like you're in bondage to this fear, this unfounded fear. So a fear can be a strong indicator that there's something on the other side that God is leading you to. You know, and that was a big one for me with public speaking. I was terrified of public speaking. I told God that I had no interest in the ministry whatsoever. And that was one of the reasons. And, but I would, if I could have snapped my fingers, yeah, I'd speak in public. Why not? That'd be great. I could say good things to people and help people. But I was not, like, not me. No way. That's not happening. Another one, and this is uh, just an example, but like worshiping with my hands lifted up. I used to be terrified because of the whole social anxiety thing. And my hands were firmly planted on that chair in front of me for support and stability. <laughs> you know, in case a big, strong gust of AC came across and I wasn't ready for it, I was ready. I had my clutches on that chair, and they weren't going anywhere. Do you understand me? 
But God, I knew it. It was in my heart. Like, I wanted to worship him. That was a good thing. I was just so afraid to do that. And then I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I had a dream, and and I'm going to start to close with this. Start my closing. I'm not about to finish. Give me like five more minutes. Bear with me. But I had a dream that I was reminded of recently as I was organizing some notes and things that I had written down. And I had written this dream down like 13 to 14 years ago. It was old. And it's funny looking at your own writing that long ago. And you just remember writing it, but it's like you're reading somebody else's writing. You know what I mean? It's just so old. So I'm sitting there reading it, and I'm reading through this dream. I was like, yeah, man, that was a crazy dream. And I could actually remember it. I could see it in my mind as I'm reading through the dream. I'm not going to tell you the whole dream, but it was a spiritual battle, and I was in a wicked place, and I was trying to leave, and there was an actual witch whose this house was, belonged to. And you would never know it because she looked like a normal person, but I knew it because I was under such a heavy spiritual attack. And talk about feel weak, I, I was shut down. I couldn't talk. I couldn't open my mouth. I couldn't move my body. My physical human weakness was maxed out. I was totally weak. And just in my faith, I couldn't even think the words, but in my faith, I cried out to the Lord. And I, I, I grabbed him. Like, God grabbed me. I grabbed him. And I actually was pulled up out of my body and filled with uh, boldness. And I started praying in tongues. And I started rebuking the spirits and tongues. And I, and I started to settle back into my body. And as I was settling back in my body, I was battling against the stiffness and the human weakness of my body. But I was gaining control of my body again. Like, it was breaking as I had this spiritual strength, if that makes sense, to take over that body. And I took back over that body, and... Her and I were going back and forth. I was like yelling at her in tongues, and she was throwing curses at me, and it was just this fierce battle. And then I went to leave, and as I went to go get in my car at the street, I'm about to get in my car. I open the door, and I look back, and she's standing in the driveway, and she has a dog. I wouldn't even call it a dog. It was like a hound with these red eyes, and it was the most evil, scary-looking animal that you can imagine. In my dream, I'm telling you, I saw this thing. It was tall, and she she sicked it after me. And my gut was to jump in the car as fast as I could. But then I remembered everything that had happened. And I realized that greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to, what's the worst that can happen? I'm just going to let it come. So instead of jumping into my car, I just stood up and I stood up to the dog. And this dog's running full speed at me. And it lunged, it lunged up at my face. And and this and then it came down and I and I can remember grabbing its his legs like this. And as soon as we made contact, the dog started licking me. It was a friendly dog. And then, I, and then I, I, you know, now the dog and I is like, great, this is amazing. And I look back at the witch, and she's fuming, and she storms back into the house. How do I dream things like that? How can you have a dream like that? And talk about it over a decade later. 
that was a, a, a guy dream that he probably gave me to share with you all this morning. But my point is that I didn't let that fear or that weakness hem me in and push me away. I just stood. I just stood up to it, trusting in the Lord. And it was that faith that encountered God that allowed God to come with his power to come through me, to come through these hands, because that dog was wicked until we made contact. And then it was a friendly dog. But God's power did that. But it was my openness to allowing my weakness to not run, but to, to go. That, that opened the door for his power to come through my life. And that's what God wants to do through your life. That was a dream, y'all. But we're talking about real, real life. We're talking about real situations, real problems, real people who, who have problems that you couldn't touch if, if you had a billion dollars. You couldn't do anything about it. But God can. And it's not how great you are that allows him to do what he can do. That index finger is nothing special. But that's what he chose to use to heal a blind man. What has God wanted, what has God already chosen that he wants to do through your life that you won't go near because it's a weakness and because there's fear there? Ray, if you would like to come up, you can come up and start to play. So I want to say that again. What's out there in your life right now that you do, you do find joy in, but there's fear. There's weakness there. There's inadequacy. There's a lack of skill. There's a lack of knowledge. There's a lack of experience. But boy, that would be such a joy. What, what, what kind of passion do you have that's tied to something like that? What kind, of, what kind of reward is on the other side of that fear, of that, of that weakness? That God is saying, if you'll just step out and trust me, I have some, something I want to do there. I do believe that when we walk like that and we, we when we grow like that just like in that dream I was settling back into my body and I was getting control over that body I'm not as afraid of public speaking as I used to be I used to be terrified and it really started out like I just gotta ugh, I just gotta say something right, wrong, or indifferent. I just got to say something. I can't let fear hold me back. Because when we're weak, there's fear that that weakness will be exposed. There's fear that that weakness is going to cause pain. And we don't want that. But that's where God operates. That's where we have to connect to faith because we can't trust in the natural. That's a weakness of mine. That's... <laughs> That's when we 
got to say, Jesus, I need you. If you want this to happen, I need you to do it. <laughs> Amen? I was afraid to quit smoking cigarettes. I said, God, if you want me to not smoke cigarettes, you're going to have to take it from me. And he did. He did it. There's a lot of things like that. A lot of things. I, 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 you're seeing some work God's done right here standing in front of you. God's done a lot of work. A lot of work. He's still working. He's still working so much it's embarrassing. It's like I didn't realize I needed that much work still. It's like I want to be strong. I don't want to be weak. But then that weakness gets exposed and then God's power comes through it. Amen. And that's what he's doing right here and that's what he wants to do through every single person that's in his body. You're a part of his body. You've got to understand your identity there. You're not your own person just out there and who knows if you're good enough. You're part of his body. He picked you. He chose you. And he knows where you belong on his body. And he knows what he wants to do through that body part. So don't limit him. Don't limit him. Don't do that. Don't be the finger that wouldn't cooperate with the rest of the body. That this finger was supposed to heal some blind people, but they just could never come around. They drew the line in the sand. They said, this far, no more. God, just too much. It's too much. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're shortchanging yourself like you wouldn't believe. If that finger only knew been on the inside of that finger. Oh my goodness. Y'all can stand here.